Welcome to another edition of NL Full Time. I am a jubilant Luke Edwards. You'll find out why later on. It's very rare I can say I'm jubilant on a Sunday morning doing this pod. Not that I don't enjoy doing this pod. That sounds like I don't enjoy it, but I do. Especially with the company that I am keeping this week. So joining us, it is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Good morning, Luke. It's really nice to see you, uh, especially Chipper today. <laughs> and also joining us, it is the founder of the Off The Line blog and sort of, how can I describe him? He's a Torquay fan, not a very happy Torquay fan. Joe Pope. Yeah, hi, thanks for having me on again. I don't think uh, saying a not happy Torquay fan, I think you could have just said Torquay fan, because um, <laughs> we're always not happy. So. Well, I was going to say, can you try and find me a happy one at the moment? You might yeah. be doing well. Well, this match day had the most goals and most red cards. It was another mad week in the National League. And we've got new league leaders, Chesterfield, the only unbeaten remaining the only remaining unbeaten team in the National League that went up in smoke on Saturday. And it was, to everyone's perennial upset specialist, Maidenhead, who didn't play that well against Lowly Gateshead the week before, but then they went up to Derbyshire and won by two goals to one. And um, should we be surprised Maidenhead have won there because he seemed to pull it out against the big teams? Perhaps not, you know, but... Uh, given the context of, of how Maidenhead's season has gone so far, it maybe was a bit more of a surprise. Um, in, they have amassed this reputation for being a side that like to take on the bigger teams, whether that's a consequence of them still being a semi-professional team in that league and liking to, to bloody the noses of bigger teams. I'm not entirely sure, but you know, looking at the respective form guides, you would have thought, yes, I'm aware of all that past but I just can't see past Chesterfield today. But yeah, congratulations to, to Alan Devonshire and his maidenhead side on a terrific result. Yeah, going top are Wrexham, who left it late, it's fair to say, to go top. They fell behind to Mike Fondop's 26-minute opener and then all themselves destructed. It was Ben Tozer getting on the end of a set piece this time to fire in the equaliser. And then Paul Mullin in the 95th minute after a poor challenge by Ollie Roberts in the area meant that a spot kick was going away. Mullen tucked it away in front of the uh, jubilant away fans. There was some trouble outside the ground afterwards. I think there's a bit of history between the two sides, but big result that for Wrexham coming from behind. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're going to win the league, you need those are the sort of games you have to win. Um, and to go, you know, to get back on level terms, a good side um, can then go again um, and win it. Um, and that's what they did even though it was in, uh, obviously, through the penalty spot. Um, but a big win for uh, for Wrexham, and that's two games, two defeats for, for David Unsworth. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny one. I know we talked about it last week, saying could his lack of experience at this level cost him? I mean, at the minute, they're, they're keeping their heads above water because there's teams who are just worse than him who aren't winning. They're on 11 points in 17th, but they're only two points above the relegation zone. But I'm guessing... While the teams below him, we'll get on to later on, aren't winning, then, you know, they're okay, I suppose, at the minute. I mean, a lot of Oldham fans coming into this season were just saying, well, we'll be happy to stay up. You've got other Oldham fans who are like, well, we should be looking now to push on for the playoffs. So there's almost like a split in the fan base as well, which won't be helping. 
No, absolutely. And I think when a manager comes to the door, they want a little bit of stability um, and they want to, you know, try and get a couple of good results in early doors. Um, and obviously having Wrexham and Bromley as your first two games is no easy, uh, you know, opener for a manager that, as we say, is very inexperienced at this level. So, um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be too worried. I think there were some good signs yesterday um, and they could have even got a, a draw yesterday. So not too bad for, for Unsworth. Notts County leapfrog Chesterfield into second. They won by three goals to one. And I know Aaron McLean was uh, not happy about this on BT Sport. So if you're looking in the official sort of score apps, Macaulay Langstaff's got a hat-trick. Now, by all accounts, uh, the final touch came off Adam Chickson for the third goal, and he's giving it to Chickson. And Aaron McLean's like, why? Why is he doing that? He's a striker. He should be claiming it. But in the end, Notts County did win by... Three goals to one. And I mean, Langsaf's got enough goals as it is this year. It's good for him to spread it out, isn't it? It might be the case that he's thinking, I think that's, well, either 14 or 15 for the season now, uh, depending on whether you can accredit him with that that third goal. You know, maybe he figures 15 at this stage of the season, I'd have taken that. I I can happily give one of them away. I, you know, I don't know. Yes, I, I, I get where Aaron McLean's coming from. You know, strikers, you, you want them to an extent to have that selfish mentality where, you know, they they will claim the goal for themselves. Um, ultimately, I guess it doesn't matter for Notts County yesterday because it wasn't um, the decisive goal, you know, but a, a 3-1 win. Um, it's a nice dilemma to have, isn't it? You know, if you can have the players... Um, debating amongst themselves who should be credited with a goal um, rather than, um, you know, any uh, anything more negative than that. It's going well for Notts County. Yeah, in fourth, it is Boreham Wood. They're two points behind Notts County and Chesterfield. They had to come from behind in the late kickoff against Maidstone United. Rory Deakin put Maidstone ahead. He, he then received two yellow cards. That was later on when they were already losing. But Boreham Wood... The uh, a bit lucky with the equaliser, but then they uh, they certainly put on the put the foot on the gas in the second half, and they're looking imperious again, Joe. Certainly in terms of defensively, um, they've only conceded nine goals. That's the joint lowest, along with Wrexham and Wealdstone, and also Southend in the top eleven. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've always been a strong side defensively under Luke Garrard. And I think the challenge, which we all said coming into the season, is can they finally add those goals to their game? Um, and obviously, they've added a goal scorer in Lee and Love, um, who got another goal yesterday on his return. Um, good to see him adjusting well to life in the National League. But it also, you know, underlines their, their strength in depth yesterday. Again, you know, Dion Kelly Evans went off injured after 10 minutes. And then the person that comes on for him, George Williams, off the bench, scores their, their equaliser. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're looking good. Um, and it's just about trying to keep grinding out those wins for, for Gerrard's men. There's a, a cracking game between Solihull and Bromley, who are both in the playoff spots as well. Bromley were, were 2-0 up. It was a goal in the 35th minute from George Alexander. And then, hey, Jude, he popped up on 68th minute, Jude Arthur. And it looked like Bromley were going to take the points. Kyle Storer as well was sent off for Solihull. And I, I didn't see the first yellow card, but the second one was, was pretty clear, it was fair to say. Not the sort of challenge you want to be making on a yellow card. Then dramatic 
In dramatic circumstances, the Moors got a point. Josh Kelly with a, a goal back in the 94th minute and Alex Reed in the 98th minute. And uh, in the end, well, they can't be separated in the table and they couldn't be separated on the pitch either, but drama down there in the West Midlands. Absolutely, yeah. I, mean, I suppose Bromley, I, not having seen the game, um, I, I suppose looking from the outside in, you look and think, where's eight minutes of injury time come from at the end of the game? But um, I, I would imagine, you know, perhaps Bromley might have a, um, uh, that might rankle with them a little bit, um, but you've got to keep playing to the end. And that's what this Solihull side look capable of. I, I, they're not at their very best at the moment. I think they've had a couple of wobbles. They did lose at Woking. Last week, um, they certainly wouldn't have wanted back-to-back defeats. And I think to come back and get a point in the circumstances in which they did it yesterday, you know, down to 10 men, going into injury time two down and pulling out a 2-2 draw, that feels like a win, I think, um, to to Solihull. Um, And as I say, it just stops them recording back-to-back defeats, which might just have had people looking and thinking, oh, you know, are they they showing some cracks there? I don't think if if this is a wobble, it's not an absolutely terrible wobble when you can still pull out results like the one they did yesterday. Yeah, the teams in ninth and 10th, York and Dorkin, were both uh, five alive on Saturday. They beat Barnet and Dagenham and Redbridge. There's a lot of pressure on Darren McMahon after their 5-1 defeat away at Dorkin and York won 5-0 away at Barnet. Um, it's... You could say Dagenham and Redbridge are comfortably in mid-table, Joe, but that's not where they want to be, is it? No, absolutely not. Um, and for the squad that they've assembled, they need to be pushing up higher than in the league. Um, and I've actually got a post coming up after this um, podcast recording saying that Dagenham should sack Daryl McMahon. Um, because, you know, for that squad, they're underperforming. Um, and even if, if you look at their performances, you know, they conceded five yesterday, they conceded four against Barnet, and then they conceded five against Notts County and Wrexham as well. Um, so they're not playing well. Um, and it's only because they are so good on their day offensively that they are managed to be able to pick up a couple of wins. Um, so he's under pressure. Um, and yeah, they need to, I think, need to make a change there. There's a Twitter page been set up called um, Daryl McMahon Leave Now, uh, which I know started following us on Twitter as well. But uh, yeah, it's a parody one. And I think it's going to be one of these where they post every day until he has gone. Um, but the owners have got a big decision to make on that one. Uh, Darkin, cracking result for them. That's three wins out of four now. And there's certainly the entertainers have scored 22 and conceded 25. So um, they've not come in this league to make up the numbers, have they? No, absolutely not. Um, you know, I think Mark White will probably say himself when they came into the league, they, uh, they aren't going to sit back. They're going to take the, the game to the opposition. Um, and that's exactly what they've done. Um, another good result yesterday. Uh, James McShane, he's, uh, he's on fire trying to keep up with Macaulay Langstaff. Another two goals there yesterday. Um, and a debut goal for Seb Bowerman. Um, that they signed from Bracknell Town. Um, he was brilliant last year for them um, and uh, he got a goal for them uh, yesterday. So, uh, yeah, good good result for them. Um, and, yeah, they just need to keep keep doing what they're doing at the moment. I just think that, that I mean, aside from the fact that, you know, it's a terrific victory, um, what a lovely boost for their player, Alfie Rutherford, as well. I think we, you shared a, a tweet with us yesterday morning, Joe, to say that um, we know Rutherford's miss, probably going to miss the majority of the season, if not all of it, um, because of a, an ACL injury, which he was having surgery on yesterday. 
as well as that surgery, he was actually having a scheduled heart surgery at the same time yesterday. So under the knife for both. So um, we hope that's gone well for him. Absolutely, we do. And, you know, when he comes around from his anaesthetic, that's a, a nice thing to, to greet him when he comes back and we send him all our best. Yeah, I mean, that's one player I'm really looking forward to see um, come back. Um, so hopefully uh, everything goes all right there. Now, I know you mentioned last week, Joe, about Barnett's defensive woes. As I say, it didn't get any better at home to York and it didn't help that he went down to 10 men as well. Linnell John-Lewis got a couple as well. I can see he's back on the score sheet. But um, Barnett, after an early promise of sliding down the table. Yeah, um, I said at the start of the season um, that the defensive players that they've added um, aren't good enough. Um, I said that there was a liability in, in Diara. Um, I think I actually said on the podcast that he was Bambi on ice um, at the start of the season. Um, and, you know, they've added Jerome Akimo as well, who was part of a Wealdstone side who were absolutely terrible defensively under Dean Brennan. And that's ultimately why he lost his job there. Um, and yeah, obviously, I'm not surprised. I did put a tweet out yesterday saying I wasn't surprised that they'd, they'd gone down another heavy defeat. That's 10 goals now in two games they've conceded, um, shipped five twice. Um, and a lot of uh, a lot of anger um, on Twitter, it seems, at, at Dean Brennan as to uh, or the lack of defensive um, work that they do. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously they started well, lost Mason Clark, so they haven't got as much going forward now. So even more pressure on that defence to uh, to try and keep it close, which obviously they're not doing. Yeah, and Dickie, I know we spoke about it with, with Tom Feeney on the podcast last week about how delighted John Askey would be. And I'm sure if... You'd spoken to him at the start of the season before ball was kicked and you said, by the time we get to October, you'll be ninth. I'm sure he'd have shook your hand and said, thank you very much. I think so, yeah. I think he'd very much take that. You know, I mean, I, I don't think I was one of them, but I know certainly some of us on this podcast did, you know, tip York to potentially be dark horses for a playoff place. And, you know, at ninth at this stage of the season, um, uh, you have to say that, you know, that that stands a, a decent chance of... of of coming true. Um, yeah, terrific result away for them yesterday. You know, they uh, five goals away from home is is a terrific performance, even with Barnet down to 10 men. Um, and yeah, for all of the upheaval um, and the changes in the squad that John Askey made in the summer, it does, you'd have to look from the outside and say, the man had a really, really good idea of what he was needed, um, had a really good idea that what was in his squad wasn't going to be good enough and was brave enough to make those changes. And, um, you know, I, I, his reputation took a bit of a knock, I think, with maybe a couple of the jobs that he took after Macclesfield. I know he's not held in particularly high regard in other parts of Shropshire, where I'm from, for his spell with Shrewsbury Town. But I don't think, you know, John Askey's proving himself again, uh, as if he needed to prove himself to be a very, very capable manager. I was going to say, he's got experience of winning this league. He knows what it's about, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And I I think maybe what we thought when Macclesfield did get promoted was we, I suppose we wondered a little bit about the hometown effect of that because, you know, he was a Macclesfield town legend, both as a player. He, He cemented that status by, you know, as a manager as well, by getting them promoted. But, you know, could you go elsewhere and um, and do the same thing again? And, you know, he's showing every sign um, of, you know, making York into contenders in this division, if not this season, then in in seasons to come. Got to head down to the bottom now. Halifax, another shocking defeat at home. 4-0 to Woking. A couple of goals for Reese, Greg O'Cox there. And uh, 
boos were ringing around the shade, as you might expect. Um, it's the writing's on the wall for Chris Millington, isn't it? I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I actually tweeted yesterday after the game. I know Adam Virgo uh, follows my, our blog, um, but I did say that there was a certain BT Sport pundit who might be sitting at home with a rather smug smile on his face um, because I know he got a lot of criticism last year and in the summer for saying that Halifax would struggle, um, and they are. Um, you know, they've had good investment and they've brought in a lot of good players mm. on paper. Um, and Chris Millington is obviously showing that he's he's out of his depth. Um, another you know defeat yesterday. Funny that they've the main players that they've brought in have been defensive players. You know Minahan, Arthur, Clark. Um, they've brought in good defensive players, and yet they can't keep a clean sheet um, to save their lives. Um, on the flip side of that, though, um, a go- another good result for Wokim. Um, I backed them at the start to do okay. Um, I like Darren Saul. I think he's a good manager. Um, and he's got them ticking nicely. Another goal for James Daly yesterday. Um, that must be about seven or eight now for him. Um, so, yeah, good win for them. But a uh, really, really tough afternoon for Millington. And uh, I don't think he's going to have many more. Yeah, as we mentioned, Altrincham at a second bottom. They lost 3-1 away at Notts County. The other two teams in the bottom four were Scunthorpe and Torquay. And they met... At play more, Joe, and I'll uh, I'll open the floor to you, my friend. Well, I think for anybody that didn't go to the game, if they were to watch the highlight package, um, then they would see a very different game to what I was told uh, by my dad who went uh, yesterday. By all accounts, it was a better first-half performance from Torquay. Um, good goal from Dan Martin, who's sort of been coming back to, uh, to form after his injury. Um, but second half, we conceded early, and then it was the same old case that we've had for the last five or six weeks or even longer um, in that it was a bit of the Alamo um, Scunthorpe, you know, every, every five minutes attack on our goal. I mean, we must have, uh, I know Gary Johnson says in his press conferences that he likes his players to mother the goal. Uh, Well, we must have had about 50 off the line clearances in the last three weeks. Um, So they're certainly doing that. And we're thankful again for another bit of awful refereeing. Um, Looks like two weeks where we've got a draw yesterday and against Wealdstone. The opposition has had a, a shot which has gone half a yard over our line, over our goal line, and the referees not give it. Um, so, yeah, a lucky point in the end. Um, and I know there was a lot of um, there was a lot of protests after the game at the owner um, because obviously he he owns a Swindon Speedway track which closed. Um, and he promised them a new stadium. Um, and in light of that, he then came out and reiterated that he was going to get Torquay United a new stadium, um, which is why I said on our WhatsApp group that I fear that we could end up the same way as his speedway track. Um, so, yeah, a lot of um, a lot of concern at the moment um, for around Torquay. Um, and at least a point, because um, if we'd have lost yesterday, then uh, I think that might have been the end of Johnson. Yeah, as it is for Scunthorpe, Tony Dawes doing a good job there. I know he's really happy. And also, Tony Dawes has come up from being new team manager there and Scunthorpe got quite far in the FA Youth Cup last year. So it might be one of these where he almost starts to blood some youngsters as well, although it's difficult to do it in a relegation battle, but there'll be youngsters there that he, he trusts as well um, and he'll know he can get the best out of. Uh, whether he wants a job permanently or not, I don't know, but he's doing a decent job so far. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, it is tough. Um, when you took over, they'd you know gone on this long run without winning, um, and it was you know they weren't playing very well at the start of the season. But he's come in; they've shown slight improvement. Um, he's added a couple of players to their squad. Um, Calvin Lavery, um, he's put in, and Tom Pugh, who came off the bench yesterday, who was actually at Scarborough earlier in the season. Um, and he has put a couple of those youngsters, like you said, um, Rob Apter from from Blackpool has been on loan, and I know. Uh, Ryan Deeney from NL Musings has uh, spoken highly of him. Yeah, I've seen um, him play. He's a great player. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, there is, you can, you know, do well with young players, but I think it's about getting those good professionals around them. Um, and obviously they do have a couple in there, you know, Boyce and Butterfield um, and Taft. Um, so I think, yeah, he's, he's doing all right um, so far. Um, and I think he's probably done enough to, uh, to get himself the job. And I, I know Dickie's just put in the chat there, I was just about to mention actually that um, speaking to a Scunthorpe fan on Friday who asked where was the best places to go in Torquay um, and he said how does he think the game was going and I said we'll lose and he said that he wasn't uh, very hopeful of them winning because apparently Joe Nuttall um, is off to Oldham, um, correct me if I'm wrong but I think Joe Nuttall used to be at Everton um, in the Blackburn youth team. as well. Blackburn, um, so obviously, yeah. So that looked like one, but um, obviously he, he he must not be uh, that um, keen on the move because obviously he was in the team yesterday. He started um, and by all accounts played really, really well as he has done all season. In fairness um, to him, obviously not easy for him given his form, but um, yeah, good signs for for Scunthorpe and um, yeah, they're, they're coming along nicely under Tony Dawes. Just above the relegation zone are Aldershot. They lost 2-1 at home to Wheelstone. They've got the most defeats of the season, but they are not in the relegation zone, which will keep Rob happy. Two goals from Reese Brown there for Wheelstone, ex-Aldershot player, and a, a great goal from Frankie Vincent, who's extended his loan from Notts County. Just above them on goal difference is Yeovil. They lost 1-0 away at South End. And the other result as well was Gateshead one Eastley won. Yeah, um, just to comment on there, um, obviously Southend, another win for them yesterday. I mean, they've done really, really well. And another clean sheet for them, calling uh, Adeng Di uh, in goals, another clean sheet for him, doing really, really well. Um, but yeah, obviously there were sort of protests planned for yesterday um, with Southend, obviously because they got placed into uh, a transfer embargo with a, another missed HMRC payment from Ron Martin. Um, but it all seemed to fall a bit flat at the end. Um, by all accounts, everyone sort of departed um, after a 1-0 win. Make of that of you, what of you will. Um, for Yeovil, obviously, another defeat. Um, and I know there is a lot of growing um, anger towards boss uh, Chris Hargreaves, um, saying that they want him to go, um, which I don't think will happen um, because I think he is very much the owner's man now. Um, and I think you will get. But a lot also, of time. is that is that fair as well? You know, with the budget that they've got, they're not in the relegation zone as well. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's difficult because I, when I went to watch them last week, I thought they were good. You know, I thought they gave Bournemouth a game, um, and if they'd have been a little bit braver going forward, then I think they'd have won the game. Um, obviously, he keeps persisting with Alex Fisher. Uh, he's not going to be the answer up front. Um, and obviously now he's going to have to keep playing him because Jimmy Torre got sent off. But I think he's doing an OK job. Um, you know, it's, it was never easy to inherit what he did and try to add with it with the budget he had. Um, I don't think he's doing too bad. Obviously, um, I did read a piece from um, NL Musings 
that Ryan did saying, you know, for all the draws they've had, because um, I think they've had something like seven draws, when we get, you know, as the season progresses, they're either going to start losing all those games or they're all going to start winning all those games. And I think for Chris Hargreaves, he's just got to get his side to be a little bit braver, you know, because they are a young side. Um, they lost Tom Knowles in the summer. Um, they've added Sam Pearson, who's a good player. Um, but yeah, they just need to be a little bit braver. Um, but I don't think they'll be. I don't think they'll get relegated. And I think uh, I think he's doing a, an okay job there. If you see somebody showing any of the signs of a stroke, you don't have to think about it. You just dial nine nine nine. Use the fast test. F. Face has their face fallen on one side. Can they smile? A. Arms. Can they raise both arms and keep them there? S. Speech. Is their speech slurred? T. Time. Time to call 999 if you see any one of these signs. Act fast, make the call, dial 999. So we're getting into a busy period of the podcast now. So there was midweek results in the National League North and South and there was a lot of managerial departures as well this week, wasn't it, Dickie? We're, we're going to focus on them and then look at the results and why and the wherefalls of what happened and pick out some of the key results as well from the North and South. I think the biggest one, the one that's gained most attention is James Rowe resigning from Fylde. Yes, it is. Um, and clearly it's the circumstances surrounding uh, James Rowe's departure from Fylde, which has um, meant that it's made so many of the headlines. Um took over in March um, uh, after Jim Bentley left Fylde, um, I think probably with a brief of trying to get Fylde um, back into the, uh, the the promotion picture, which didn't work out. Um, and yes, this has all come off the back of, of a statement released by Derbyshire Police in the week relating to um, an alleged sexual assault which took place, which, um, you know, there's been so much... I think there's so many people think they know what happened in this situation. And there's been, you know, lots of talk on social media, which isn't particularly helpful. I have to say that isn't particularly helpful to the, to the alleged victim either as well. You know, I do think people need to remember when they're making con- comments about James Rowe um, and this situation and filed and Chesterfield and whatever, that there's actually a, 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 a potential victim of something beneath this that, that maybe we need to be giving more consideration to before we sort of like be making this all about football. Um, but yeah, uh, he resigned as a result of a board meeting on Thursday um, after the, the, the police statement came out on Wednesday. Um, and hence Fylde went into their um, FA Cup weekend with Andy Taylor in temporary charge yesterday. And also at end of an era at Brackley, wasn't there? Is, is Kevin Wilkins left the club? Yes, it is. And this this was more of a, a, a shock, I think. I mean, Brackley um, were at my own team, Telford, on Tuesday evening and, and actually secured a 1-0 win. I wouldn't say they were exactly the Brackley team of old, um, but they still have, you know, a, a core of players who, who Kevin Wilkins has, has had such great service from there over the years. So it was a surprise, as I say, seven years um, at the helm of that club. But I will say, at the when I was at their playoff defeat in um, in May, and I did have just that gut instinct about me that perhaps something needed to change at Brackley. Not necessarily for Kevin to go, but you know the the, the squad I felt maybe needed some refreshing. Um, it has had some refreshing over the summer, but I, there are, there are um, stories going around that that's perhaps been done on a reduced budget, which is why maybe it was done rather late in the day. I think some of those new signings are still settling in at Brackley. Um, 
and ultimately the board have chosen to go in a different direction they paid great tribute to kevin wilkin and all they'd done for them um but yeah their, their choice of replacement for him is uh, was a real left field one there's a lot of talk that it was going to be paul cox um who of course isn't in work anymore after he was um uh, sacked by boston a few weeks ago but yeah it was a real left field appointment it was roger johnson um the the former uh he's, well, wolverhampton wanderers player i think is he's, he's known for in the parts of the world i'm from um but yeah he's um come along with his former wolves teammate stephen ward and another former wolves teammate in kevin foley um as a trio in their coaching staff you can only i have to assume that maybe a different voice and a different direction for Brackley and perhaps using the contacts that they've got through the game to bring in some fresher faces. I think that recruitment did prove to be ultimately Kevin Wilkinson doing over the summer, but Roger Johnson is hugely inexperienced this level. I will say um, he is something of a Brackley town legend already because it was his last minute own goal, which eventually took Brackley and Bromley to a 1-1 draw in the FA Trophy final, which Brackley subsequently won on penalties. So there is something for Brackley fans to thank him there for straight away. Um, but yeah, clearly that is in the past. But yeah, an interesting little footnote. But yeah, that, that, that was a real big um, development this week because Kevin Wilkin and Brackley just seem to be, you know, go hand in hand. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where Wilkin ends up next. Uh, the other one, uh, well, Lee Mansell was shown the checkered flag, wasn't he, at Gloucester City this week? And uh, he was he was replaced by Steve King, another sort of left-field appointment because of the fact that he's mainly based in and around London. And I don't think he's managed in the National League North before. Joe, what's your thoughts on that? Um, well, firstly, obviously on Lee Mansell, obviously I had a sort of interest him afar, given that he used to play for Torquay. Um, and yeah, I know he, the, the performances weren't good. Um, I think Dickie probably can comment on that a little bit more than I can. Um, and they weren't, the performances weren't good. Um, but I don't think he was doing too bad. Obviously, he didn't have the budget um, that perhaps previous Gloucester managers had. Um, and he, there were some good signs there. Um, as for, obviously, Steve King, obviously, he's a good manager. Um, you know, experienced manager. Um, he's been there and done it before in the South. You know, can he now translate that into the North? Um, it is a bit of an odd one because Steve King has usually only gone somewhere that he's had a really good backing um, in terms of squad and budget. So I'm a little bit surprised. Um, and obviously, as you said, he's mainly been in the South. Um, I know he was at Northwich in the past, wasn't he, years ago? But he brought a lot of players up from London, so I'm guessing it's a bit like he's going to have to get players to come from London, isn't he, as well? Yeah, um, because he has sort of, you know, even in that Dartford team, he did have quite a big nucleus of that Welling team, which he sort of brought across. Um, so it is going to be interesting to see what he does. Um, obviously, he's stepping outside his comfort zone, um, but he is a good manager. Um but if you're going to go from an inexperienced manager in Lee Mansell, you want to give it to someone that's experienced. Um, so Steve King is, in that regard, um, a good appointment. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he copes with the Narthic as well. We know he's a colourful character, isn't he? Well, yes, absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 it was something of a left-field appointment. I think some people initially saw the Kevin Wilkin uh, decision and and saw the one with Lee Mansell happen almost immediately afterwards and put two and two together and made five and maybe thought that Wilkin was going to Gloucester but clearly that um, hasn't happened they must 
have had their man uh, lined up. I'm led to believe Steve King did actually watch their game the week before. So perhaps he he had a sense or more than a sense that, that something was coming. And, and as much as that's not great, we know it happens in football. Um, and I think managers do grudgingly kind of accept it goes with the territory. Results haven't been fantastic under Lee Mansell, but, you know, they were a, a full-time side when he took over last year. They've reverted back to semi-pro this year. So you think that's probably down to the budget. I think Lee Mansell's recruitment seemed to centre very much on, um, you know, that geographical area that they're in. And I think they were maybe using loan players from the likes of Bristol Rovers, etc. I know Ollie Hulbert's gone back there again. Um, who, who did well for them last season on loan. I, I, I think he's joined another club now, so I think it is another loan. Um, but maybe there is a little bit too much of that reliance on on loans in that recruitment. And I, and I suspect it's Steve King is going to, um, there's going to be something of a, a, a sea change there. Yeah, Yeovil, there we go. Joe just uh, uh, filled me in on that one. Yeah, he clearly. Now, that it does seem a bit strange because he did score goals Um in uh, the North last season for um, Gloucester City. And the fact that Yeovil aren't, you know, prolific, you wouldn't have thought he might have got some opportunities, but hasn't done so. Um, yeah, it, it was maybe one of the more unexpected ones because looking from the outside in, I thought Lee Mansell had done a reasonable job. I think getting Gloucester out of the position they were in at the start of last season um, and avoiding relegation comfortably um was was quite a good achievement, but obviously they've not kicked on enough um, for the for the board, and um, yeah, he's paid the price. Yeah, and the the other one was in the National League South, wasn't it? Saint Albans, and there's been a lot of noise about Ian Allison's departure, hasn't there this week, Joe? Yeah, I mean, um, I've got a good friend uh, of the of my blog in that um, Lee Allenson, um, obviously his son, and uh, I'm. Interested to see, um, I haven't spoken to Lee yet, as to what actually happened there. Because I know if when you see the tweets on Twitter, it looks like something's gone on behind the scenes. But it is a big decision um, for St Albans, one that I think they will regret. Because I think he's a good manager, um, fabulous context. He's been doing well um, in the, how do I say it, the, the constraints that's been forced upon him. Um, from above um, and he is a very good manager um, obviously he's brought them a lot of success in the FA Cup and kept them up when it looked like they were going to you know virtually dead and buried um, so I, I do wish him well um, on that if I was Dulwich uh, Dulwich Hamlet I would be going to get uh, Ian Allenson um, I know they've got a sort of interim head coach in Paul Barnes um, but for me I think Ian Allenson would be the perfect fit for them um, you know he's got a better backing um, at Dulwich if he was to go there and he's a manager that knows the division well um, so if anybody from Dulwich is listening go out and get Ian Allenson Joe's uh, yeah Joe wants a cut of, of any fee as well if that happens but 10% Joe is it or yeah I'll take 10% <laughs> Agent Pope on the case yeah um, in the National League North and South there were some interesting results in midweek in the South Ebsfleet's 100% record finally went didn't it Joe uh, yes, yeah, they uh, they lost in midweek. Uh, sorry, they drew in midweek um, against Oxford City. Um, obviously, they've still made a fantastic start to the season. So uh, Dennis Kucherov, it would have expected at some point um, their winning run 
uh, to come to an end. But, you know, even if they weren't playing perhaps at their best, they still managed to get something from it. Um, it just goes to show uh, what a good side they are. And the gap at, at the top there had closed to two points because haven't won 2-0 away. So they're still on Ebsleet's case, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. It was a case of the right stuff for Haven't um, in midweek. Um, Danny Wright getting on the score sheet there. Um, and, you know, another defeat for Weymouth, which I expect we'll come on to at some point. But, um, yeah, I mean, for Haven't, they've got a really good side. Um, you know, I backed them at the start to win it. Um, and I think it will be between one of those two that does win it. Um, but for Haven't, it's just, you know, keep doing what they're doing. They've got the firepower. They've got the experience in the squad and a manager that knows how to do it. So, um, yeah, another win for them. And, uh when the Ebbsfleet do, you know, from or you know, crumble or you know, have a week off, then haven't have got to make sure they're there to to pounce. Um, and they did in midweek. Was there any other results in the south that stood out for you, Joe, in midweek? Yeah, one or two. Um, a rare win for for Dulwich. Um, that will give them a little bit of confidence. Uh, two goals for Mill. Oh, yeah, two goals for Danny Mills there. Um, so that's a, a good result. Another win for Chelmsford and another one nil. Um, uh, they won away at Farnborough, who continued to struggle. Um, obviously, they I know they were they were Rob's pick to sort of be in in and around that playoffs, um, but they've struggled uh, so far. And then the only other one is uh, another sort of late goal for Bath, ninety uh, seventh minute equaliser for them against Taunton Town. Um, Alex Fletcher to uh, to get a share of the spoils there. Um, but yeah, I think those are sort of the the standout results there. Yeah, and Dickie in, in midweek as well, uh, in the North, some uh, some interesting results again. Yeah, there were. I mean, we're talking about records going. Um, Kingsland Town weren't 100%, but they were unbeaten going into their game uh, at Kettering Town on Tuesday night. Um, and they were surprisingly beaten 1-0. Uh, it was, um, uh, I think the game swung around an incident in the 40th minute where Ty Fleming from Kingsland uh, pulled back um, at, a Kettering Town player and a penalty was awarded. Fleming was dismissed. De Carry Sheriff put the penalty away. Um, and then, yeah, I imagine Kettering, although I don't have the details of the game, I imagine Kettering probably had to show a fair amount of grit um, to, to hold on to that. But but they certainly did for their manager league lover. And that, that, that was um, one of the big results of the night. There were a lot of draws um, in midweek. There were only 11 fixtures. Southport and Bradford Park Avenue moved their midweek game um, to yesterday, in fact, uh, because they both had a free game, a free day yesterday. But yeah, the remaining 11 games, there were six uh, draws. So not too many teams made decisive moves within the division on Tuesday. Um, Scarborough, they had a bit of a blip. They lost 2 0 to Curzon Ashton. That was a rare defeat for them. Um, I'll just have a look at the rest of my notes. Darlington, yes, Darlington, they moved up into third um, with a victory against Blythe Spartans, a goal in the fifth minute of injury time for Ben Little, um, secured a, a 1-0 win over their near neighbours. Um, uh, but yeah, there were a lot of a lot of draws around. Um, uh, but the, the, I would think the main one, and, and possibly the game I was at that, that, that didn't give a clue as to the Kevin Wilkin dismissal was the fact that Brackley won 1-0 at Telford. Wes York did score the goal after Telford had Brad Booth sent off for two yellow card offences. Um, was he booed off, Dickie? He wasn't booed off, no. He's a local lad. He's only 19 years old. So I think there was a lot of disappointment. I think he knew um, from his demeanour that he'd let the team down a little bit with two 
slightly rash mistimed challenges but no he's he's not going to get uh, too much uh, of that from the Telford fans because he he is a bit of a uh, a local hero being a young lad but uh, yeah ultimately didn't help his team on Tuesday yeah I was just going to comment on the Kettering game saying that I think Kingsling got their own back yesterday <laughs> they certainly did yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, that, and that, that moves us nicely onto the, the FA Cup because Kingsley and Ketting did meet in the FA Cup, didn't he? And uh, Kingsley ultimately, like you say, got revenge. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, obviously, they'd have wanted to uh, bounce back and they certainly did on home soil. A 6-1 win for them, um, which puts them safely through to the next round of the FA Cup. Um, and uh, a much better performance, obviously, uh, for Tommy Richardson's men. Um, so yeah, they're into the next round and uh, good start for them this season. Um, there was people weren't, weren't sure how they were going to do, but uh, really, really good start. I think they poked the bear on Tuesday. It was fair to say, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they took a they took a, a stick to the proverbial wasp nest, I think, on uh, on Tuesday um, and got the wrath of it on Saturday. So we're going to look at a lot of the upsets that happened. There were upsets, of course. Teams were were knocked out in. Uh, from the National League North and South, wasn't there? There was um, a few surprising results, really, wasn't there? Yeah, um, there was uh, one or two. You could say the most surprising one is that Weymouth actually won a game, um, 3-0. <laughs> um, they uh, they beat Welling uh, 3-0 yesterday, uh, a good result for them. Um, I know they've, um, they didn't, he wasn't in the squad yesterday, but they've signed Ben Gering, um, formerly of Woking and Torquay. Um, so that will give them a little bit of grit at the back. Um, good, good win for them. Um, they nearly managed to get a win yesterday and sort of cause a giant killing. Um, and that was Plymouth Parkway. Um, it looked that they were going to, um, but then conceded in the 90th minute to Canis Carroll. Um, and they got a, a couple of uh, shocks last year. I think they might have even beaten Oxford City last year um, in either the FA Cup or the FA Trophy. Um, so that was uh, a good a result for them um, and then sort of the other the only other real standout which um, was that Gloucester City uh, and Dulwich Hamlet um, both went out um, to lower league opposition both won nil at home um, actually Dulwich to Folkestone and Gloucester to Merthyr Town and then there was a, a good win for uh, Hornchurch AFC Hornchurch beating Braintree 3-0 at home, um, obviously they're sort of near the top of their division and are expected to compete. Um, so that was a good win. Um, also, Joe, uh, the one that stood out for me was Seven Oaks winning away at Bath as well. Yes, yeah, they were a little bit higher up, so I didn't see them. But yes, they uh, good win for them. Um, obviously, Bath would have wanted to uh, get through and uh, give them a little bit of uh, confidence for the league. Um, but yeah, d- defeat for them, which might actually allow them to concentrate on the league. But uh, yeah, really good win for for Seven Oaks Town, uh, congratulations to them. Um, but uh, yeah, I suppose the the giant killers that we have seen in in a certain, I think last year in AFC Sudbury, um, didn't manage to do it again uh, yesterday in losing to Colville Town. Dickie in the north, there was a a few shocks. Well, I think the, well the early kickoff, the one that was on the BBC Red Button was was AFC filed, and, and as we mentioned, it was it's been a bit of a tumultuous week for them. Yes, it has. Um, and I suppose in that context of the week that AFC filed have had, we maybe shouldn't have been quite so surprised um, by the fact that they, they were held to a 1-1 draw at Congleton Town. But they left it very, very late. They were on the, the brink of going out of the competition um, until um, Nick Horton 
popped into a nearby phone box and put his red underpants and his cape on and, and came along and saved file again at the death, as he did on Tuesday night in their 2-2 draw with Spennymore. They were 2-0 down in that game. Horton scored twice. Um, he saved them again yesterday. I, 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 we joked about it, but I said my, my fear with Foyle is that at some point Nick Horton's Superman outfit is going to need a wash and who's going to step up when, when he's not able to. Um, but they are in the hat, they're in the draw and they have a home replay coming in midweek. So you would expect them to, to get through um, at the second attempt. Um, we were talking about shocks and it must be absolutely killing you inside that we've not spoken about Hyde versus Darlington, Luke. So I'll, I'll set you up for that one and, and you can tell us all about your day. Well, before the game, I caught up with, with Michael from Darlow Radio to have a chat about their season so far. So, Michael, Darlington, um, good season so far for you, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's the best run we've had since our first season in the, uh, in the National League after we uh, left your division and it's... Uh, so far so good, although I still don't think we've actually reached our peak yet, as mad as that may sound. Yeah, and all this chatter on the forum, isn't it, about this could actually be your season, definitely getting in the playoffs and maybe getting promoted? Well, that's the thing. I think the bit is we've just got quality in. You've got, obviously, Mark Beck is scoring the goals. You've got Adriano Moke who can play, and you've got people like Law- uh, Jake Lawler and Dave Waiter at the back. They're, profes- they're decent footballers, and even if you're not playing well, we just make the difference, as we did on Tuesday. And you've also got people like Marcus Madison to come back in as well. Marcus Madison, yeah. He's potentially, obviously, if you get the ball to his feet, he's just another another three leagues. But it's just his fitness issues is the problem. So it's, it's going to be a journey to get him back, I think. He's, he's a bit off the But potential, my God. C- certain little flicks he's done in pre-season, wow. But it's just getting him match fit is the issue. What's the difference this year? Do you think it's the experience you brought in then? Uh, I think uh, Alan's been on a journey of uh, understanding what the, the last two seasons are with COVID and all those bits and, and he's gone down the route of getting youth in he's gone down the route of waiting for players and it, we, we ended up just missing out on players this year we've kind of got the lads in before the season for pre-season and I think that that's given him the right options we're a smaller squad but he's got some people he can hang his hat on that can play football because he likes playing football Yeah so it's the FA Cup obviously you want a good run in the FA Cup as well wouldn't you? Yeah, we, we've had a couple of good runs with the FA Cup again, Bristol Swindon Town and Bristol Rovers and things. Uh, last year we, we sort of popped out at this sort of level, but it, everybody enjoys a cup run, don't they? I mean, obviously the, the the target is league and all of those things, but a good cup run is a nice thing. But this is probably one of the biggest games of the FA Cup today, isn't it? With the two top top of their division type sides battling it out. Well, the BBC picked Congleton failed, so there we go. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Filed. Well, exactly. And filed have had an interesting wake of themselves, haven't they? Yeah, well, they have, yeah. We'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. He was quite bullish, Michael. He wasn't that bullish at the end, though, it was fair to say. Um, yeah, Hyde won by a goal to nil against Darlington, and it was a very tight game throughout. Darlington had probably the better of the half chances. Hyde didn't really create much going forward until uh, a lovely ball from Callum Spooner found Jack Redshaw, of course, well-known around National League circles and, and in the Football League. And he, he scored the goal, which put them through. And ultimately, I thought Darlington were going to throw the kitchen sink. In the end, it was just a, a bit of cuttle really through because uh, they didn't really knock on the door at all. If anything, I could have extended the lead. And they go into the hat. And that is one of the many shocks because both teams came into this game having won six on the spin. So it was a case of which record was going to end. And it, and it was Darlington's ultimately in Hyder in the, the final qualifying round where they could face 
some more National League North teams, but also some teams lower down. And of course, all the National League teams coming as well at this stage. So it'd be interesting to see who they get. And it's fair. So that's why I'm very chipper as well and a bit hoarse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll take back over then so you don't have to talk anymore. Um, I know you were on the PA as well yesterday. So, I was. Uh, a couple but, of surprising yeah, results as well in Boston drew away at Baseford and also Chester being held at home by Hanley. Yes, there were. Yeah, I was going to come on to those. I mean, they're, they're, they were the two other ones which you would say. That, um, Chester against Hanley. I saw Hanley in an earlier round and they, they do have, um, you know, some former football league experience in their team. Um, Chester are quite a young team. Even so, you would have still backed Chester to get through in that one. So Chester have now got a quite a tricky replay in the potteries in midweek. Um, yeah, Boston United, just uh, uh, it's a replay for them as well in midweek back at their own ground. They were held yesterday. Janai Gordon put them into the lead, but Anthony Dwyer, who's absolutely on fire for Basford United at the moment. Um, I, I do know Anthony quite well, so I made sure I'd get a mention in there for him because he'll love hearing his name read out. Um, yeah, he's. I think he's got something like seven or eight this season, bagged yesterday, and, and he's earned them a replay. And also there was a couple of um, North East South ties as well, wasn't there? Yeah, there were. Kidderminster Harriers were away at Chesant. Um, they progressed uh, with a score of two goals to one goals from Ash Hemmings and Ethan Fremantle. Um, not entirely sure about the Chesant goal scorer because all that Flash goals gave me was the name Mo. Just nothing more than that. So obviously ubiquitous. Everybody knows who he is that he can go by such a short uh, moniker. Um, yeah, Peterborough Sports versus Hemel Hempstead Town was the other North versus South Clash. Peterborough Sports progressed in that one. Two goals from Keanu Marsh-Brown. Either side of a goal from Ryan Fright. Jordan Greenwich did get a goal back for Hemel, but it wasn't enough ultimately. I think it's Mo Kamara. Mo Kamara. Okay, excellent. Thank you, Joe. Should have known you would know. Three league games across the north and south, two in the north, one in the south, and one involving your team, Telford Dickin. It was a fair to say an eventful day for the man in the middle. Yes, it was. Yeah, Telford got a 2-2 draw at Lamington. It's a game that was brought forward from um, later on this month. It was to be a Tuesday night fixture, but both teams were available, having been knocked out the FA Cup. Um, and it looked like Lamington were the ones who were going to profit from having rearranged the fixture. Uh, two goals from Tom Hewlett, who's on loan from Burton Albion had them 2-0 up just um, after half-time and they looked quite comfortable. Um, but yeah, things changed then. In the 53rd minute, Telford were ordered a penalty. Um, and at that point, the Leamington manager, Paul Holleran, was actually dismissed from the touchline um, by referee Darius Bradley, who um, I, I don't think he um, infused either manager with his handling of the game. Um, Paul Holleran is a, a, a pretty... Um, it seemed very out of character for him to be dismissed, to be perfectly honest. It's not something I've seen before. Um, I think the spectacle I actually see him trying to uh, uh, climb over the barrier fencing at the side of the pitch was quite something as well, because he's only a diminutive chap. Um, so there was a little element of farce about that one. Um, Telford did put the penalty away, Brendan Daniels. Um, uh, getting them back to 2-1 and then it was 2-2 seven minutes from the end a Daniel shot looking like he took a double deflection off both of his own teammates Harry Flowers and then Byron Moore so there's probably a three-way argument over whose goal that was um, but yeah ultimately Telford got a point as uh, Mr Bradley the referee his day didn't end um, especially well either I'm gather he might have reversed into the car belonging to a Leamington player in the car park afterwards as he was leaving so yeah it, it's not one that he will recall with any great fondness 
And the other game in the north was Southport against Bradford. As you say, that was um, pushed back from midweek to Saturday. And it's not going well for Bradford and Mark Bauer so far. I mean, as Tom mentioned the other week, he signed a new contract recently. But since he signed a new contract, they've not won and they were easily dispatched at Southport. Yeah, they were. These are slightly worrying times. I mean, Bradford Park Avenue are, um, you know, they're used to sort of like being in in the basement. I think with sort of like their, 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 the size of crowd they get and the budget that they have, that they know probably that they're going to be um, towards the bottom end of that division. Although they did have a couple of seasons where they were just on into the playoffs, and which was a sign of how good a job Mark Bauer had done. But yeah, things have changed a little bit. Um, at the Horsefall Stadium in recent seasons. They are struggling this season and Southport put them away quite comfortably. It was 3-1 by halftime. Jack Brainbridge, Tyler Walton and a Charlie Oliver penalty for Southport. Brad Doherty, who's just gone back to Bradford, having joined Alpherton Town in the summer, he got a goal back. But a Jordan Archer goal in the 90th minute put the gloss on it for Southport. Um, And yeah, I I think what's happened in the past is potentially... um, Mark Bauer did have a cast of um, reliables that he he called upon, um, the likes of Ollie Johnson um, and Nicky Clee and various other, um, I dare I say, veterans, but but people who players who've been around the block and know this division, and and uh, I think we're very often more than often than not we're playing um basically uh, for peanuts to in in national league terms because they enjoyed playing for mark bauer um i, I think the supply of former mark bauer players to uh, to find in the cupboard to insert into the team must be running a little short um and he's having to do his recruitment elsewhere and yeah it is a little bit concerning for them but mark bauer is a good manager i wouldn't bet against them climbing out of this situation but it's you know they're going to have to find a positive result sooner rather than later to get that ball rolling yeah they're in a similar position last year managed to climb out of it so they'll be looking to do that again in the National League South Joe a good win for Dartford that's moved them up into third now yeah and and there was uh, you know I say concern people were unsure on how um, Alan Dalson would do this season Um you know, he hasn't perhaps had as big a backing as King had and there's obviously a bit more change of his remit this season, but he'll be quite pleased. Um, I think for him, you know, having got through the playoffs before with Woking, his aim this season, if he was being realistic, was just get into the playoffs. So it's another good win for them. Um, as for Hungerford, um, another defeat. You know, they, uh, they, they have lost a lot of players in the summer and right through the spine of their team. They lost Luke Kearney, um, obviously an outstanding goalkeeper. They lost Sol Wanju Smith and Ryan Seeger and also Keith Emerson as well. So four big players there that they've lost. And obviously Danny Robinson has throughout his career at Hungerford and at Thatcham been able to find, you know, a couple of gems from lower down the, the divisions. Um, but so far it's been a case of they haven't really adapted uh, to the level. Um, I think they'll be fine to come the end because he is a good manager, Danny Robinson. Um, I think he's a really, really good manager. And they, I think they will start to climb the table once they sort of gel. Um, but the problem is I look at all the teams down there and there's a couple of teams down there and I think, well, they'll climb the table as well. So it will be a difficult season for them. And I think sort of survival will be just sort of the main aim 
for them. But uh, yeah, another defeat for them. So just looking ahead to midweek, there's a full programme in the National League and the standout game for me, the one that jumps out, Notts County against Wrexham, first against second. Yeah, big game. Um, you know, see if uh, Langstaff can keep scoring. Um, but a big game for both sides. I think it, this is sort of the first real proper test for Luke Williams. Um, you know, he has done really well so far. I said at the start of the season, I wasn't sure how he'd do, um, but he has done well so far um, and he deserves praise. But this is sort of the real big test. Um, you know, how can they do it against Wrexham? I think they played Solly or Moores at home um, earlier in the season and won that. But this is a you know real big test for them. Can they still do what they've been doing against a team like Wrexham? Um, so a real big one. It's a shame that it's not on TV. Um, you know, that'd be nice for it to be on BT Sport um, on Tuesday. Um, so obviously it's a shame it's not on. Um, just also a word on uh, obviously the two Teams that were relegated go up against each other uh, on Tuesday in Alderman's Gunthorpe. Big game for both those teams. Um, so, yeah, it's another intriguing round of fixes. Yeah, the other one that stands out as well, Bournemouth against Bramley, both teams in the uh, in the playoff places. So, be interested to see which one can keep the run going. You won't be surprised if that ended in a draw either. And also Halifax against York, if Chris Millington's still in post, a Yorkshire derby and another home game. And, yeah, it's, again, the pressure will be building. So, we will... Update you on all of those next week on the pod. My thanks to Joe and to Dickie. Give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time. It's the same on Instagram. And we'll see you all very soon. (laughs) 